Welcome to the Western Show. This is Lord Extra Cooler, and welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. <laughs> right, so, uh, right, so, what's in the cooler? Oh, <laughs> just blew my mind. <laughs> your rhino, your rhino's on ya. Extra credit. Port, 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 port side heater. Extra credit. Welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Welcome to an Extra Credit episode of the Extra Cooler Show. My name is Matt, otherwise known as the Hop God. And this week, I am joined by Mikey Workrate himself. We have Extra Cooler Nick out this week. Jim is still... Having hula time and Hawaii getting back hangover. into uh, yeah Hawaii hangover, getting back to civilization. But uh, Nick Nick did send in a short clip for me to play uh, to to you all. So I'll uh, I'll leave this to Nick real quick, and then we'll uh, jump right in. I got my lunch packed up, my boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight. Oh, back to school. Back to school. Back to school. Nick is taking the cheap way out this week. He just went back to school for the first time uh, this year with kids. So uh, he took the night off and I'm giving him a hard time for it. So Billy Madison had to come make an appearance. Uh, Nick, wish you were here with us, but we'll do what we can. Absolutely. Well, we miss you both guys. Uh, Nick's actually busy doing a mock draft in preparation for our fantasy football draft, which is tomorrow. Uh, he's <laughs> this, getting a head start on that. This is I'm also kidding. true. The uh, no, I, kidding, I know but... you're not kidding. This is uh, this was said to me directly of like if uh, if it wasn't you know fantasy draft tomorrow, then uh, I'd probably join you guys. So he's certainly uh, certainly calling it in. And uh, taking it light this week, so he can focus on defending his his uh, fantasy football championship, which I'm sure he will gush Arf. about next week after hearing us talk as much shit as we are. So, uh, before we get started, let's start talking about Extra Cooler. Make sure to find us over on Instagram at Extra Cooler and Twitter at Extra Cooler Show. Be sure to check out our team, the Pod Foundation over at Pod Foundation with Turnbuckle Tavern, the Chick Foley Show, and Coming Down the Aisle. All good buddies, all putting out some amazing content. So please, by all means, go over to Pod Foundation, check everyone out, and uh, support our friends. Absolutely. Um, uh, our, our buddies... At the Turnbuckle Tavern, just went to all out too. So, yes, I'm sure they got some had stuff to say. Mike Belcaster, we had Tom, we had Acefield, who was just here last week, uh, and we also had Hawk from the Tavern, all out at in Chicago. Mike is from Chicago, so it makes it easy for him being what seems to be the centralized hub for uh, AEW wrestling. And yeah. uh, oh man, was it a, a wild weekend or what? Crazy, yeah. <laughs> I think crazy is the the operative word here for sure. And uh, jam packed. Let's dive into the extra cooler top three, which which are the top three stories that were from the week uh, from the week that was in wrestling. See, I didn't read my little script here. We'll get that out of the way a little bit later. But um, before we dive into the top three, I just want to give a quick honorable mention to Triple H and the interview that he did with Ariel Hawani from BT Sports. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, and it is well worth your time. He speaks very candidly, or what feels like very candidly, about you know Vince McMahon and kind of the, the transition from Vince's WWE to his WWE. He goes into depth about the health scare, which was absolutely terrifying uh, when you really hear how it came across out of his words and out of his mouth. And um, Ariel did some really good reporting here and, you know, journalistic uh, work here and dove into and gave him a couple of names that are not currently with WWE and asked Triple H's opinion. Um, And it included Sasha Banks. It included Bray Wyatt. um, And it was definitely an intriguing listen or a very interesting listen from Triple H himself. So Papa H delivered again for us um, 
even outside of the ring and outside of the televised work. So definitely go check it out. Well worth your time. He's always worth a good listen whenever he's doing on somebody's show or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, He's one of the short list of the ones that are like, can't miss right out the gate, no matter who it's with, you know, that just hearing and listening to him talk is, uh, is well worth your time. I think Cody Rhodes is another one I put into that category too. Yeah. All right, let's start with the top three. We will start with WWE and story number three, which was Clash at the Castle. This past week, we'll dive in. We'll do a little cherry picking off the top of stuff that we uh, we found interesting and fun from this past week. And in the opening match, we get Bailey coming back in her return match and pinning Bianca Belair, your WWE Women's Raw champion. Yeah, I... You know, I thought that was the right way to go. Set up Bianca's next challenger. I actually hope Bailey takes it from her. Uh, it's about time to end Bianca's reign. It, she, it feels, she could chase it for a while. You know, Bianca does feel better chasing, but she is an awesome champion in and of itself. And you know, really yeah, getting through solid. that, getting through that uh, that Becky program. Uh, and coming out unscathed, I thought was really good. Yeah. Uh, and being able to bring her over into a scenario that feels like it should be, you know, maybe we're all spoiled and thinking back to NXT Undisputed Era and them having all the gold and, you know, run and shop mm-hmm. with the tag team titles and then Adam Cole with the with the main NXT title. It, it, you make Toxic yourself Attraction want- just did that. Yeah, yeah, good point. And having Toxic Attraction do it in NXT again, and now you see it, the pieces kind of falling into place for damage control, which I guess is what they're uh, officially calling themselves after this this premium live event this past weekend. So Stealing that uh, from Braun. Yeah, <laughs> from, from where? Braun. Control your uh, narrative. Oh, yeah, there. control your narrative. Well, we'll, we'll get to that one, too. <laughs> okay, all right. But... Um, yeah, damage control seems to be one that's on pace for at least trying to go after, um, you know, all three titles, the tag team titles, which they lost, surprisingly, in my personal opinion, um, in the tournament finals. And now it sets up for them this Friday to face off against Raquel and Aaliyah and go off the go after those championships um, from the tag side. So I'm rooting for them. I like this this pairing, this faction, this trio, whatever you want to call it. And certainly yeah. uh, I am yeah. hopeful for, for what they can all do together. First of all, uh, before we move on, just wanted to say the clash at the castle set up the whole, you know, arena and, and the setup to uh, the event was awesome. I applaud them for that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, let's move into what I think was match of the card, match of the weekend, um, potentially with Gunther oh, yeah. defeating Sheamus. And man, the, you knew this it was, was going to be good one. and they delivered. Yes. Absolutely what you expected. They absolutely delivered. Um, having Seamus's chest look like absolute chopped liver at the end of the day yeah. was exactly what you expected. And I thoroughly enjoyed this British strong style fight. And it brought me back to, you know, the NXT UK when it really got off the ground and Gunther and Walter and facing Pete Dunne and, and all of those guys um, was really just a treat to watch something that wasn't your normal WWE match. And, at the end of the day, I was really surprised, and Gunther even looked surprised uh, during the match, that the crowd was so behind Sheamus here. Yeah. And I was expecting more of a split, more to be you know, support for Gunther. Oh. And I know technically not from the UK. Right, uh, Sheamus is. But, well, not yeah. from the UK, he's from Ireland. But still, um, I was really surprised with the response and the reception that Seamus got. And even the, the little send off and, you know, getting his flowers at the end of the match was, yeah, was pretty was cool. awesome. Yeah. Standing but out. Definitely delivered on that one. And, um, uh, the reunite reunited, uh, appearance of Imperium. Yes. yes. Thank you for that one. So, oh man, what I did write down his name, cause it wasn't the, the normal, uh, Fabian Eichner name that he had at NXT. Right. Um, and they re-debuted the third Giovanni Vinci, I believe is the name yes. that they had. Uh, so they introduced him, um, having him come out, I thought was really fitting introduced Imperium. They introduced Gunther as the leader of Imperium. And I think that 
this is just Triple H yeah. again, you know, uh, getting through and, I love and it. Uh, you know, bringing it all back again, getting hope, first names it, uh, back. I hope Say it stays. I hope it wasn't. I hope it stays. I was. I hope it's not just one time for uh, Giovanni there. Yeah, I imagine it will be uh, a nice, a nice Italian name for you too, Mike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did love one thing I wanted to call about the match is the WWE universe. The crowd is chanting Walter and Adam Cole brushes it off that they are acknowledging Gunther's past. And I thought that was a uh, a nice little like com- combating. I said Adam Cole, Michael Cole. Yeah. My apologies. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for at least one a show. I'm sure there'll be a couple more later on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the Michael Cole comes out and, and says that, uh, you know, they're acknowledging Gunther's past. I thought that was a really cool way of navigating the uh, the chant. Um, and man, yeah. it was it was a hell of a fight for sure. It was super entertaining from uh, my standpoint. Really yeah, enjoyed match it. of the night, I think. Even with Seth and Riddle coming a couple matches later, I thought that one was pretty awesome, too. Very good. But I think this one was just a tiny bit better. Yeah, I. uh at the end of it, Seth is, you know, backing down the aisle, the camera's in his face. And he's like, I'll see you never, pal. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little uh, glimpse into the future. And now it makes me question where Seth goes. I know he's been talking about Roman, um, but also he's going to try Riddle. and go for Roman, I bet. But with I think Riddle's Riddle not coming through. around. He's not. Matt, he's not through with him. Matt has gotten his, his name back. So another yeah. one in so the, in the laundry list. Yeah, and 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 Austin Theory too. So the first names are making an appearance. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope Pete Dunn's next. That's my hope. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Awesome. Then we are at the main event for Clash at the Castle. We have Drew McIntyre going up against Roman Reigns, and I did forget something else. Right, you're waving yeah. me down in camera. We did talk. Judgment we did Day. say we were going to talk about Judgment Day and Dominic turning on Edge with a big old kick to the groin area, the the lower extremities, and then what hell of a clothesline from hell from uh, from Dominic on Ray and setting up what is next. I told you I'd mess up again. I got you a second time, so I got okay. three strikes. You're out, and then you get to take over. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but. Uh... Let's just let's talk about it. Uh, I think it was pretty lackluster. The whole turn, if it wasn't for like uh, homage to Eddie. Yeah, it, if if it's not in the mullet itself, uh, that clothesline. I don't know. Did you see that? Um, a couple of social media accounts out there. I, I think it was yeah. the heel marks, which are uh, old Brooklyn friends of ours. As we went to all those Summer Slams, they were there with us mm-hmm. too. So shout out to those guys. They're pretty awesome. Um, but they had the side-by-side of the Eddie clothesline to Ray and the Dominic clothesline to Ray, and they were right on point. It was it was really cool. And that that clothesline itself made me gasp when we were at Nick's house um, this Saturday watching on his iPad, no sound, while we were just hanging out in the kitchen drinking beers with the, with the fam. And uh, I watched that clothesline and went, ooh, like that was a big one. <laughs> So that was like my main reaction there. And they continued it into Monday as well. We had, um, you know, Rhea really taking reign for this dude and uh, coming out and showing that really she's going to be the mouthpiece for Dominic, which at this point is probably what's best because I don't want to hear that dude on the microphone. No. And him somebody just. Somebody said, sorry, somebody said, uh, just have him call her Mama Sita. <laughs> I forget who it was. And that, that's that's another one too of like this side by side of Ray with the slicked back mullet. Um, Jesus, three strikes. I'm out. Dominic. Mike, take over. See you later. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> so we we saw the the slicked back mullet from um, from Dominic and her standing or him standing right next to to Rhea Ripley and uh, side by side with the Eddie and China picture and. They just need him to call her Mamacita, <laughs> which yeah. made me laugh, too. That would be a uh, a fun little trip down memory lane and some some more paying homage there, like you said. Yeah, well, she did say what Poppy wants, Poppy gets or something like that, right? Uh, did she? I may have missed yeah, that part. She That's did. awesome. All right. We're getting there. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch for sure. And uh, as long as this Dominic dude doesn't flip flop and go back to the other side real quick. I, I'm certainly interested in where this goes um, and how they can make this work because 
Dominic to me is just a dead character that I have zero interest Same. in. And for the first time now there's like a bit of intrigue and I, I don't know if there is a very long shelf life for me on this. Um, yeah. But it's certainly something that you have my attention now. Don't drop the ball. He still looked pretty boring to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I think boring is the operative word. Yeah. yeah. At least Rhea's, uh, you know, talking for him now. But yep. we'll see. All right. For real, let's get to the main event this time. We have Drew McIntyre taking on Roman Reigns, who, conspicuous by their absence, comes out alone. There was no Paul Heyman. There was no Usos. It was just Drew and Roman in the middle of the ring and the crowd is loud man they took over that entire arena really backing drew immediately singing um singing for drew mcintyre the uh the soccer chant that soccer song kind of vibe right out the gate roman reigns does an amazing job of selling like Holy shit! What do I have my What do I have myself into right now? And how is he going to get out of it while he's alone? I felt like Michael Cole. I said it right this time. Michael Cole alludes to it just a little bit of like Roman being alone, but I felt like there could have been some more storytelling to that and made it yeah. an even bigger deal. Maybe not necessarily all in the commentary, but you know, showing us why or showing us that this was going to be a, a thing and coming out and doing it that way. But um, at the end of the day, I was show really him. invested in this match. Just show him backstage telling the Usos, like, yeah, I got this one, something mm-hmm. like that. Something as small as that and allows yeah. you to to really tell the story and then have the announcers come out even heavier and talk about it even more uh, throughout the match and pointing it out of like, yeah. oh, man, he could really use his, 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 uh, his backing here, his Paul Heyman or his Usos or whomever it would be, but... Watching this live, did you have any inkling, any feeling of Drew actually being able to pull this off? Maybe a tiny bit. I honestly didn't think that... 90% of me didn't think that he was going to be the one to to do it, and not here. Maybe it was the crowd. Maybe it was the placement. Maybe it was it being in the UK and Wales and like actually having this being this crowning moment for a superstar that was insanely over with that crowd. And I knew I would be really mad if it went that way. And I'm thankful that we get Solo Sequoia pulling out the referee after a, um, uh, a claymore kick and Roman looks like he's about to be done. Solo Sequoia comes in for the save and man, oh man, we get a distraction, a one, two, three after a spear and Roman Reigns retains. Roman retains is going to be his new name. Uh, but man, I was totally invested. And at this point, I totally thought that there was an inkling in my head that they could actually make this change here. Like I said, it would have really pissed me off because I am on the state. I'm on the boat and dying on this hill of if they don't give it to a new guy, they don't make somebody out of this. Then all of this was for nothing. Two years plus down the drain. So for me, I don't think crew needs it either. Exactly. Right. But for me, Brock, if they don't give, if they don't give somebody the rub, if they don't make a carrying cross or they don't make a riddle or someone, uh, even a theory to an extent, I've, I've talked about it I'm when sure. he first won the money in the bank. Like I'm behind the fact that you got to make a mid card guy here into an absolute monster because he's able to pull it off. What was your take on the weird singing thing after we got some, uh, American Pie Tyson from Fury. Tyson Fury in the ring Who with Drew McIntyre, which he knocked did out he, Fury first, but then was it after planned? the match? Was it like, whew, I don't know. This just I, felt I really awkward. Planned, yeah. Maybe it's a UK thing. I don't understand. Maybe I got to do my homework a little bit better. But man, I just I, it was seems strange. like a UK thing. Yeah, it was a bit strange to me. Uh, and even the crowd didn't seem as into it as I think they expected the crowd to be into it on there was a couple of splat smatterings in the front row of people people singing but uh probably caught them by surprise yeah i don't know especially american pie tyson fury was actually able to hold a tune which i thought was impressive in and of itself (laughs) better than uh uh, drew yeah yeah right uh man so last thing 
do you see any run in Braun Strowman, the newly returned Braun Strowman, going after Roman Reigns? Is this another person in line that he can go through? Absolutely, he's going to be a challenger to Roman, who he's Roman's faced before. Correct. And I just uh, that was actually the start of this whole run. You're right. Was uh, You're right. what a triple threat with Braun in it. Yep. So we have Monday night. There is a four way tag team title contenders match that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get the Braun music hit. Braun come down to the ring and take out essentially all eight combatants in the match on top of some security guards. Uh, earlier in the night, when the Miz is walking into the arena, they show a flipped over car, and you've got to imagine that flipped over car was a little, uh, a little breadcrumbs to get to your Braun Strowman, who's been known to flip over a thing or two in his day. So maybe that's uh, where that came from. But I texted in- you guys that I said, "Spoiler alert: Braun is going to flip something over tonight," and and you were not wrong. They didn't tell us directly that it was him, but it certainly, if I had to guess, it was definitely uh, attributed to Braun Strowman (laughs) flipping over that car in the background. But it's just really cool to see WWE continue along that little, you know, small storytelling that's happening in the background of uh, all these backstage vignettes and these little pieces that you're, that you're seeing along the way. So uh, another nice little cherry there, but it was really fun. I knew this was happening today. My son had his first day at school. He comes back and keep in mind, he's almost six now. And uh, for a long time, Braun was his guy. I sit him down on the couch. I was like, hey, you want to watch wrestling? I turn on the tag match. I fast forward to it. And uh, I go in the other room doing whatever I'm doing. And all of a sudden I hear the Braun music hit and I poke my head around the corner and he is wide eyed at the screen (laughs) like, oh my God. And then. He screams Love at the it. top of his lungs, the monster is back. <laughs> he's looking at me. He's looking at the TV again. He's looking at me. It was really, really cool. So I I said it before at the very end of Braun Strowman when he was doing all of the, you know, train stuff and they were putting in the train uh, sounds on top that Braun wasn't for us. And this was uh, you know, more onto that line of like, this is about the other, the, the little guys. This is about bringing somebody yeah. in that's larger than life, that looks like an attraction that somebody's going to want to see and be impressed with. And my little six year old for him certainly did that exactly for him. So uh, it was cool to watch. It was cool to set up. And uh, I, I enjoyed it just, just from that. Yeah. That's, I love it. It's the best parts of wrestling is when you can get a, uh, a kid. Uh, one of our kids, especially a reaction like that. It's just, it's the best. Yeah, it was really cool. All right. So uh, anything else WWE before we, uh, we mosey on over to the crazy world of AEW before that, I guess your, 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 your facial uh, expressions here are telling me, I think you're done. But before that, let's talk about, What's in our coolers this week, which, of course, What's in the Cooler and the Extra Cooler show is brought to you by Sloop Brewing Company. And Sloop is grounded in the traditions and craft brewing and and the craft of brewing, but always seeking adventure and new horizons of flavor. Be on the lookout for more coming from the Extra Cooler show in our favorite brewery, Sloop. Mikey, what you got this week? Ah, what do I have? It's... From Sloop, thank you Sloop, but uh, I actually got it about a year ago, so it's a one-year aged, not in oh, my man. dojo, which is a norther, northeastern IPA, <laughs> so, any IPA. Uh, for, for a future tip, uh, you don't really want to age IPAs, <laughs> the fresher the better, so how's this one tasting tonight, Mike? It's still good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that, I guess applauds. that says a lot for the beer. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, exactly. I applaud for uh, <laughs> still. I went, when you showed it to me earlier, the 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 no dojo. I was like, that's that's an older one, I think. Question mark. And yeah, I'm so surprised uh, they haven't had them ar- around this year. I'm glad it's it was. Uh, 
that it still paid you back and it was still good. I myself also brought a sloop. I was able to pick up some from Nick this up this past weekend while I hung out with him. And one of my favorites of the bomb series has been the West coast juice bomb. And that's what this one is here. It is not the hazy new England style IPA, um, but it still has the same hot profile as what a a juice bomb would. Um, So really good, really refreshing. I, totally enjoy this one and i hope it's something that they continue to bring back this one was a like the second time i think that i've seen them um put this one out 7.2 is the alcohol on this and uh it's solid it's really good it's really solid and bigger the 7.2 is bigger than it tastes which uh could be dangerous but uh super super enjoyable and uh cheers to you mike cheers to sloop and uh cheers let's dive into the fun world of aew The Extra Cooler Show is a proud member of the Pod Foundation. The Pod Foundation is a partnership between ourselves, the Chick Foley Show, Turnbuckle Tavern, and Coming Down the Aisle. We are committed to bringing wrestling fans everywhere the best content possible and sharing our love for all things professional wrestling. Be sure to follow at Pod Foundation on Instagram and Twitter to interact with us and stay up to date on all of our shows. All right, let's dive into story number two from this past week, which was the big all-out pay-per-view and the results here. There were some, as expected, some pretty amazing matches uh, on this card. We had the trios titles being crowned uh, to the elite with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, which was an extremely entertaining match, as always. Um, The latter match killed it on top of that, which brought the devil coming out walking away with the uh with the chip and it looks like the newly formed uh faction is getting some legs out of an ending at first but yeah yeah i don't know i i i enjoyed the intrigue i enjoyed the question marks i loved the uh stokely hathaway part of it and just tying together that all of these guys are going to be a faction uh you've got my attention here stokely and we learn later in the night that You've got our attention even more. So uh, super entertaining there. But one thing I wanted to talk about and is the rumors swirling around Malachi Black. And they came out, they had their match. And at the end of the match, apparently off camera, and I can't wait to hear what the turnbuckle guys have to say about this one. But apparently House of Black is at the top of the ramp, top of the rump, and all embrace. And then Malachi turns around and bows to the crowd, almost signifying that he is that he's leaving. A very NXT feeling of when you leave to the main roster kind of vibe here from mm-hmm. from good old Malachi. And you know, I agree with the Turnbuckle Tavern and and the two bad chads in particular who harp on it every single week that Malachi Black is the you know number one dropped ball over in the AEW world and it seems like it, there's yeah. rumors swirling that there's some things going on in his personal life that he has asked for his release although it was not granted um looks like we may not see Malachi for a while I don't know uh, yeah th- I don't know if they're going to grant him his release doesn't then, seem like it in the in the media scrum, which again we'll we'll talk about a little bit more <laughs> in depth in a little bit. Um, somebody did ask Tony Khan directly about Malachi and what we just spoke about and and kind of that that event happening at the top of the ramp, yeah. and uh, he he refused to comment on it. Kind of brushed it off to the side, and you know I I can't really comment on that. And it's swirling into even more of the you know reality of what's going on backstage. Then. Let's jump to the main event. I know this card deserves a lot more time, but just like the pay-per-view, it was overshadowed by story number one. But CM Punk is your new AEW world champion, defeating Jon Moxley in what I thought was another awesome showing between these two. Um, You know, after the awkward Wednesday three-minute Botchamania match, we are sitting here and they actually give us uh, a, a real match. And at the end of it, 
I heard a rumor, uh, not a rumor. I heard a statistic that this was the, during the scrum, actually, they, they spoke about it, that this was the very first time in AEW history that John Moxley has taken a pin in a singles match. Well, three plus years of not losing is wild. And, crazy. you know, we're it's in the middle time. of it. He did. He apparently he did take a pin in a tag match based on what Tony Khan was saying in the scrum afterwards. But that stat caught me off guard. Uh, it seemed to catch Tony off guard too. But uh, he had a lot of other things going through his head at that time, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. And man, it it was really really cool. Um, you know, the the crowd was super into it as expected. Um, and then after the match, Punk is standing in the ring, and we get. Uh, running with the devil plays and there's a little mini vignette we hear a voicemail from tony khan we see the masked man from earlier take off his mask put on his burberry tie and my god did the crowd absolutely erupt for mjf a returning mjf yeah coming to the ring before they even knew he was it was him you see like the he's not facing the camera and he puts on the scarf and the crowd went nuts. I thought it. I thought it was really well done. And even like when he came He's out, going to be a during, baby face. When he came out during the ladder match, we'll get there. But he, he <laughs> uh, when he came out during the ladder match, I feel like MJF has a very distinct cadence in how he walks, like a swagger almost that I saw during the, you know, during the the ladder, ladder match, match piece and. Uh, it certainly made you raise an eyebrow of like this. This has to be him, right? I know yeah. people were were speculating, you know, that Adam Cole would have been the the Joker in that match, and uh, you know, maybe he was the on, one to come back. I was reading um, comments on Instagram. A lot of people were saying Enzo. Interesting. I yeah, like, I guess what? after the the big cast thing, I uh, or or W I don't Morrissey know about as that. he's now being called. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Not something that I'm uh, super into the idea of. Uh, Little Enzo running around again, but I, I, I'm sure worse things have happened Speaking on our of television screens. Popular in NXT, Enzo and Big Cass. Oh man, we were, we're. I think you were even with us for this one when yeah. at SummerSlam when they came out and had the match against Jericho and AJ Styles. Maybe it was, yeah. but they were super over in Brooklyn. They came out super with. You know, having that biggie vibe, and it was it was really really cool to be in the house for their you know their first like SummerSlam run right out the gate. Yeah. All right, yeah. and then um, how do you, man, just having MJF come out, and you said that you're expecting him to be a babyface. Like, how do you expect all of this to work out? Now, ignoring the scrum. My first enact- reaction was like, holy shit, this is the first time that the AEW title feels like it's important since Kenny lost it to Hangman. Like, I think I posted that in our Discord channel as well, talking back and forth, and that like it feels good again. The, w- uh, the AEW yeah. title feels important, and that's been my biggest sticking point, my biggest you know uh, criticism of AEW has just been the treatment of you know, really the main title, you can extend this to all titles, but really the main title has been the one that's lost the, the most, you know, importance here. And right out of that match, it felt important to me again, making MJF come out, do the discount, double check classic, like belt motion around his, his waist. Uh, And they don't even need to be within a hundred feet of each other. And it feels important right away. I think uh, Jericho said during the scrum that he thinks MJF is going to be a huge baby face. And MJF, they talked about it. And um, MJF was worried. He's like, I don't know how to be a baby face. I'm not sure. About <laughs> uh, Jericho's just like, you think Austin knew how to be, was worried? Uh, you think he was going to, thinking about that? And, and The Rock, you know, it, they just, it happens, you know? You have a really weird dynamic building right and you've got the mjf babyface run seemingly right in front of you even though this guy is made to be a heel right he's made to be out there and abrasive and that shock jock style like sometimes the crowd middle finger to your face it like kind of turns into like 
you know, they're just all of a sudden you're just cheering for this guy, just like how they cheered for his return. I mean, that's that's the start of it. This almost and like doing that in Chicago, it makes me wonder if they if they thought that the crowd would have been more behind CM Punk, and this is how you keep MJF as a babyface. Or excuse me, you keep MJF as a heel is you you bring him back to a returning Chicago crowd. But although right. that Chicago crowd, even though they really played up the how we get you behind CM Punk, this really quote unquote emotional um, Wednesday night dynamite pro- promo from from Ace uh, Ace Steel, you know, uh, Punk's guy coming out, who will be and then fired. Punk going through the crowd, and then this emotional W getting the title off of Moxley, like. And then you debut MJF and the crowd absolutely goes apeshit for him. And right. I wonder yeah. if it was even what Tony expected. I, mean, I don't know. I feel like, like you got to expect it at least a little bit. I think, you know, people are just clamoring for this guy to return. Yeah. So he, he almost is made to be the savior at this point. AEW yeah. has struggled to book compelling storylines for months even a year like this time last year in an all out was one of the best it was talked about as being one of the best pay-per-views of all time period end of story any any wrestling fa- uh federation ever and now here we are a year later and they're struggling to tell stories and i know that there's injuries and we can make all the excuses in the world for tiny tony but at the end of the day it's just has not been compelling and i feel like the diehard of diehards in Chicago view MJF as a ability to be a savior almost of like storytelling because any story that MJF has been a part of since the inception of, of AEW has been great, not even good. It's been great. And for him to come back almost makes you have more faith in storytelling immediately. Yeah. So, my one question before we move in to story number one is what's Mox's future here? Does he stay I, in this picture? I think so. Um, at least for, you know, re- disregarding the whole what happens after in the scrum there. I think the plan was for at least for him to have a rematch. If not, maybe make this into like a three-way type thing. Man, I just, I don't. AEW doesn't do the automatic rematch too often. And I know it's it's Moxley, and Moxley is certainly a, a big deal. Uh, you Maybe know, it's really for the tag belts. Yeah. Him and, him and Brian Anderson. That's a good call out. I mean, there you you can set up the um, combat club going up against match. the, the, the Brian trios titles. And, and Jericho. Say that again, Mike. I'm sorry. We didn't even talk about that match, the Brian Danielson and Jericho match. We, we, we did not. I... I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think that yeah. there's not a way in the world that there would be a match between those two and it not be great. Right. Uh, Danielson can do no wrong in my head. Uh, and it was, you, it was tremendous. Yeah. Did you listen to Jericho on the scrum there? I did. Saying how yeah. he would just, it was probably one of his favorite matches just because they didn't need to call anything. Mm-hmm. He said they just wrestled. That's cool. That's it. They just wrestled. It's awesome, and it, yeah. it, you you wouldn't know the difference, and that's right. that's what makes true greats, true professionals. And Absolutely, you can argue the two of them uh, are certainly two of the all time greats in the ring. And I'd I know that so. Jericho is not, you know, the Lionheart Chris Jericho. I know I'm stealing that because that's the gimmick he just went through. Mm-hmm. I know he's not Lionheart anymore, but he can still go in the ring in sure. a different capacity. And I feel like he's found his way, uh, especially after losing all that weight and just looking much much better in the ring. That was a Mox's idea. On um, he said that on the scrum too. Um, That's awesome. That Mox came up with the whole idea for the Lionheart. Lionheart and trying to find his old gear, and he couldn't find yeah. the tights, but he found the kick pads and the vest. Right. It's it was definitely cool. I'm a an old uh, I'm a Jericho holic from the beginning, so uh, I I definitely Actually, enjoy right. enjoy that stuff. So very cool. Um, let's move in to the all out scrum which is going to be our story number one from the week. It is something that was just absolutely insane to watch. I went 
and of course I, I personally did not stay up that late on, uh, on Sunday evening to actually watch the scrum as it went live. I woke up, saw, um, you know, clips that you see of, of punk out there really blasting off and, uh, the pod foundation chat today. Say it again. I didn't hear about any of this until today. The pod foundation chat exploded immediately after all of this was going down. And this is all now in this land of work shoot. I know that there's a lot of things floating around that make it all seem like this is not a work, but it's all still within this storyland storytelling world. I really and don't think let's, it's a work. I don't think so either. And punk right out of the gate for any of you that have not watched, please invest the time. It was an hour and a half ish, but the CM punk part is about 25 to 30 minutes long in the very beginning of this scrum. If you go on to uh, YouTube, just search all out media scrum and it comes up. Punk comes out on fire. He is pissed off and quite frankly, looks like he's looking for a fight. Uh, he points out a journalist that he's that he's you know obviously familiar with. Uh, he's he starts, drinking lime soda. <laughs> He'll, he's straight edge, bro. That's what True. you do. You got to find right. uh, you got to find things to that. drink that is not Sloop Brewing Company. So uh, cheers to, right. to to our straight edge friends. It's it's That's all right. right. You got to find yeah. some non alcoholic stuff. Apparently, the Guinness non alcoholic is supposed to be really awesome. My father in law was drinking it last time I saw him, and he was like ranting and raving about it. So I haven't had it yet, but uh, it seems like a waste of calories. If I'm going to drink a beer, I'm going to want the beer. Yeah. Yeah. But as I was saying, he starts out with pointing out a journalist that he's obviously known before, he recognizes before, and asks him if he still does improv. And the guy's like, no, I, I haven't in a long time. He goes, well, when you did, uh, who did you do it with? And he says, Scott Colton, or Colt Cabana. And uh, knew, that's when knew, CM Punk... Already. See it again? Punk must have known this already. One thousand percent, guy. One thousand percent. He went looking for him. Yeah. He saw that guy's face, and I guarantee you, he didn't see that guy. He saw Cole Cabana's face, and he went yeah. and took the opportunity to just go off because nobody asked him about Cole Cabana. I know oh. that it's been swirling in in the news and the dirt sheets that um, <clears throat> that. Colt Cabana is no longer on the AEW roster, that he's only going to be on the Ring of Honor side. And we haven't seen him on television, essentially, for the last year. And all of these swirling rumors that it's all CM Punk's fault and yada, yada, yada. Is he ever on the TV that much anyways? It was part of the Dark Order, and that was really about it. And Dark Order had the roller coaster of Brody Lee all the way to Hangman to, you know, the the storytelling now. Um but he's never been an important character on our televisions in the a in the AEW lexicon, so to speak. But <clears throat> he was and is still under contract, from what I understand. And he just took the opportunity to shoot on this dude and immediately went for the jugular, talking about how it was ridiculous in 2022 that he has to sit up here and answer questions about Scott Colton and he was never asked a question about no. it. Just no. that set the tone. For the entire scrum, he starts taking shots at, we have irresponsible EVPs who couldn't manage a target, which is like, as a guy that works in, in back-end retail, like, I'm taking that as an insult, punk. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, like, Screw that. he continues to go on. He talks about it empty-headed. And, and uh Omega, right? Right. So the EVPs, you're talking about Bucks, talking about Omega and how they they couldn't manage a target. Ultimately, that's them. That's Punk saying that they're the reason why I have to sit up here and answer questions about Scott Colton, um, because they're the rumored ones to have leaked the information about Colt Cabana and his status with the company and yada, 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 and blaming Punk for it. He goes on to attack Adam Hangman Page, he calls him uh, he, word for word, and I'll, I'll, I'll censor it a bit. Uh, what did I do in this world to deserve an empty-headed effing dumb F like 
hangman Adam Page to go out on national TV and go into business for himself. For what? What did I do, Dave? What did I do? Talking to Dave Meltzer, who's also in the crowd. So I'm just picturing this dude just looking, scanning the crowd, finding familiar faces and being like, you, you're next on my hit list. And then just crossing off the name, moving on to the next one. Like Like, uh, Billy Madison, Steve Buscemi character. (laughs) That's Billy Madison again today. Yeah. Uh, And then what I found most interesting of watching all of this and watching just this burning inferno of a man who's now eating a muffin and other pastries and on, and still talking into a microphone, uh, is that Tony Khan tries to chime in and talk about something. I have made it very clear in Forbes and cut punk cuts him off immediately. And is like, uh, uh, says it's not your position to make it, I've to make it very effing clear. And, Tony just apologizes like, uh, I'm sorry. And like nods along to punk, like watching Tony react to all of this was wild yeah. to me, like nodding in agreement a lot, like doing things that Dude, I'm sure in the Vince moment, McMahon, do you think Vince McMahon would have, he would have pulled the plug. Yeah. He would have pulled the plug. He totally would have pulled the plug. And I felt like Tony allowed himself to get steamrolled here. Absolutely. And it wasn't, it's all so strange, man. And there's this underlying inkling of this could all be story that I can't shake. I just can't shake it. And there's comparisons to 96, 97, Brett and Sean here with the, the, you know, we'll talk about the physical confrontation that happened. There's all of these, what they've called masturbatory Bret Hart segments on AEW for the last year, tying back in here again, the, the group chat for pod foundation started talking about that and how punk could be fitting into the, the Sean, uh, excuse me, the Bret Hart role of being a hero in Chicago and then villain everywhere else. Like there's all of these things swirling in my head that I'm trying to make excuses. And I think that I'm trying to give AEW the benefit of the doubt that this is all on purpose, but the more and more you peel back the onion and the more and more you hear about the more and more you're like, uh, uh-uh, this is just right. punk being an asshole. Yeah. And, and now let's talk about the fight. So there's after CM Punk leaves swerve in your glory comes up and there's a video, not of like the, the YouTube section, but of, uh, one of the reporters, the journalists in the crowd, you see a camera angle from the side of the table and it, Swerve's talking, Lee is talking, and then all of a sudden you just see a security guard jet through the back and through the curtain and go into the back. Apparently, what is being reported is that the Bucks and Omega went to CM Punk's dressing room and confronted Punk and also a steal. Yeah, there's conflicting reporting for for what I from what I'm hearing and seeing, and there's you know corroboration of all these stories and whatnot. Uh, I don't think we know the true story, but from what I am gathering, they go to Punk's dressing room, which uh, Punk is in there with Ace Steel, the little lizard snake looking dude that came out on Wednesday night. That's that's a weird looking man. Like it looks like yeah. he's about to morph into like a like a superhero villain, uh, and he's gonna have this long snake fork tongue come out. It's a weird looking dude. But anyway, um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, and then there's rumors that Punk throws the first punch at one of the Bucks. That Ace Steel throws a chair, hits one of the the other Buck in the eye. There's also rumors that Ace Steel has taken a uh, taken a bite into Omega, has literally bitten. Kenny Omega and then pulling his hair. Um, yeah, I think this is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And I can't well, that help. That guy's gone. Oh, the, <laughs> well, I don't even know. I don't even know how you handle this if you're Tony Khan. And we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. like this has very much another reason why I can't shake this feeling of uh, of it being storyline because it has a very screw job feeling here. The if back nobody gets fired. The back door it's, scrums. It's the stuff happening in the background, like all of this stuff feels so work shooty. So I, I just can't shake that awful feeling. It's a good My American Heart song. You should go listen to it. Anyway, uh 
man, what do you do? How do you how do you get past this? Uh, I guess before we even get to that, uh, the during the Jericho part, he he comes out. He's a couple minutes late. Tony brings out his phone, like texting Chris Jericho, like come to the table. And then after he goes through his scrum, he makes a weird comment in the very beginning uh, of 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 when he sits down, of like "Welcome to the zoo," <laughs> and like acting like some crazy shit's going on, uh, which we come to find sure out it is. did. Um, and then at the very end, he goes, he shakes Tony's hand. Uh, and then you see him whisper in his ear of like, find me after you're done. Some shit went down. And Tony Khan's like, OK, I'll find me in my office. And then at the very end of the scrum, you see somebody come up and immediately get to Tony Khan and whisper something in his ear. And then Khan just bolts and goes to the back. So this story is just absolutely insane. And there's a world where CM Punk is gone, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's got to be like I don't know and how there were reports he got hurt during. All I did. This. I forgot about that. So there were some reports going around that Punk hurt his arm on a dive, and there was you know you saw him icing it afterwards. There's other reports that Punk hurt his arm during the scrum and tore his pec. Or his bicep during the scrum, like uh, not the Cody scrum, Rhodes but the, the the fight in the back. Like all of this is just so wild, and I am sitting here and thinking, like, how do you even dissect this? How do you pull this apart? How do you make it these digestible chunks that you can even talk about in a setting like this? But at the end of the day, like, how does Tony Khan deal with this? Uh be a man you got to fire these people fire some some there's there's got to figure out what happened first there's got to be some sort of repercussions for this whether it's the bucks and kenny who are executive vice president level people in your company there's got to be some some scenario that they pay a price for what happened you've got your world champion on the other hand who's on the other side of this fight and him and his other crony that has been walking around the back of the room with, or the back of uh, the the back of house with, like, there's a decent chance he could be out of world champion. Either he's hurt or he's gonna get canned. Absolutely insane. And I just just before we hit we hit record here, I saw an update that none of the guys that were involved were even planned to be on Dynamite this week. So it feels like it's going to be just kind of swept under the rug for a week. But all of this is is insane, and I don't know where you go. And what happens if you come to a point that you have to essentially fire your world champion and you have MJF coming back? We talked about how the crowd viewed him as a savior for storytelling He's and really a savior, have to be a savior <laughs> for the company. Like, and now you have to spin and pivot again, and we've already seen – Tony fall on his face a little bit when he's had things pulled out from underneath him. And what I mean by that is all the injuries that happened and the punk injury, the Danielson injury, all of the things that have gone through. And there's a whole laundry list of guys that were out and it feels like he did not do well in pivoting in the moment and being able to make compelling stories right out the gate. And he's finding himself in that same situation again. And I just, it's so compelling to me. All of this stuff is just so wild, so absolutely insane. And only in the wrestling world will you find something like this. It's just, it's so captivating to me. It's so cool. Here's a question for you. Is this all Tony's fault? Hmm. There is, there is a scenario that you can see and somebody that is a extremely strong leader of people, a really strong people person. And you've heard rumors swirling that part of the problem is Tony's availability that, you know, in the, the, the wrestling lexicon, there's the, 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 the wonderful wizard of Oz has always been Vince McMahon, right? He's always been in his office and people line up outside the door and wait for hours just to talk to him. And you hear that Tony has not been as available as the 
company wants him to be. And there's all this writing on the wall of Tony not being a, and these are my words, I haven't heard this reported anywhere and I could be completely off base, but in a scenario like this, that you have something that boils up so hot, so heavy and so quickly that there's got to be a scenario that if you're a leader of people, you're able to see this shit building and able to put the the cover on the flame and snuff it out for a little while. And maybe he did. Yeah. So I totally do place blame here to Tony. And I feel like we saw it in him getting steamrolled into just nodding along with an absolute, absolute lunatic that's running his mouth sitting two feet from 20 minutes ago before the thing. Yeah. It, 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 you can't help but place blame on the people on the people that should be <laughs> to steal to, to steal Jericho's you know welcome to the zoo. He should be the zookeeper in all you this. Think Punk Get has the any animals straight for Tony Khan. He doesn't give a shit about Tony Khan. It watching him cut Tony off and say no, this isn't your show. This is my show. That's and basically the part of the problem, yeah. Punk also said, I'm trying, my, the words were, quote unquote, I'm trying to run a business here. I, it wasn't we, I'm a big, I'm a big we guy. I, like yeah. there's a team, you're doing it together. Like you're not a one man show. And when people talk in eyes and not we's, it rubs me the wrong way in my own business life, my own, my own work life. Yeah. Like, and for podcast, them to, this, this whole thing thing nick isn't like amen this is my thing it's it's just like a we thing you know amen this is perfect example yeah and you're seeing the eyes thrown around and i personally turns me off even more but we talked about last week with ace of like ace field retro that you know this all feels like it's this meta turn was what ace used you know you're turning mm-hmm. you're turning cm punk heel in a very meta way. But now it feels even more like this dude just doesn't know how to get along with people. Right. And it's, it's, it's his wife and his dog and everybody else can go blow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it It's all insane to me. It's all really captivating. Even though it may not have been planned out this way. I feel like you may see a, ratings bump on Wednesday of people trying to chime in and see what the hell is happening in this world. Cause it's got any answers though. No, I agree. And even the rumors are already there that, you know, we won't see the, the people involved, but at the end of the day, Tony Khan has his hands full and I am not envious of his situation. That's for damn sure. It's rough. Woo. Woo. Yeah. At this point, I usually throw it, throw it back to Nick and tell him to take us home. But uh, this past week, we had Booker T matches thrown up on the story over at Extra Cooler on Instagram, and it seems like in a runaway landslide, we will be covering Stone Cold Steve Austin and Booker T, the infamous grocery store scene. Uh, we will go through the story there next week when we have all four of their Survivor Series returning. So I'm looking forward to having us all back. And Full house, uh, baby. it's going to be a blast. This this is always one of those segments that uh, even the non-wrestling fans will still enjoy. And, you know, the the debunked, the, uh, the what's the word I'm looking for? The ones that don't watch anymore are uh, still looking back at that at that piece uh, in that little segment with, with sunshine and rainbows. So I'm super looking forward to, to reliving it uh, and it should be awesome. But Mike, thank you, sir. And we'll be back next week. Be sure to check us out on social at Instagram at extra cooler on Twitter at extra cooler show. We haven't talked about our pro wrestling tea store in a long time. Go check us out. Pro wrestling forward slash extra cooler show. Be sure to rate review, subscribe and follow us and our friends over at pod foundation. Mikey work rate. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Cheers. Braun. That's where we're at right now. And I will still walk up and down this hallway and say, if you have a fucking problem with me, take it up with me. Let's fucking go.
nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. <laughs> right, so, uh, right, so uh, what's in the cooler? Oh, <laughs> just blew my mind. <laughs> the rhino, the rhino's on you. Extra credit. Support, 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 support side heater. Extra credit. Nasty, nasty, nasty.